Good morning. And uh, happy Mother's Day to uh, our women and moms out there. Um, before I uh, read the scripture, I just wanted to, uh, since she's not in here, and maybe she'll listen to it later, um, I just want to give a shout out to my mom. Um, obviously, everybody, um, everybody's mom is special, but to me, my mom is extra special because I didn't grow up in a family that had a dad going to church, and so my mom was our rock growing up. Uh, she was the one that was our example in everything that we did. And, um, you know, it wasn't until I was about a junior in high school that my dad started coming. And, and that's a reflection of my mom and her never-ending failure to pray for him and just constantly be the example that we all need. And so um, I know that she's not the only one. There's others out there. And, and those women need to, you know, we need to lift them up and encourage them because they're, that's a tough battle. They're, and we need to let them know that they're not in it alone because, uh, you know, to be, to be back there and, and our whole family to be here as a group, that's a, that's a reflection of her and, and her example to us. So, uh, But the, uh, the scripture reading this morning, uh, the first, we're going to be reading from two, uh, is Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And then the second will be John 15, 8. Uh, but Matthew... Uh, It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am always, and I am with you always to the end of the age. And John 15, 8 says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, uh, we just we, we thank you so much for today um, that we recognize as, as your Lord's Day, uh, Father, and we thank, are thankful that we can uh, be this assembly today um, as we just finish singing songs of praise to you, Father. And what a, what a glorious... Um, an awesome worship it was today. It was just so powerful and moving to to sing um, your praise and, and know how awesome you are. Uh, and Father, you um, this is this is one of the commands that you give to us as as uh, as your children, as your uh, followers, is that we are to go out and spread the word and and get more people to know about you, Father. And and today, more than ever, it is harder and harder because there's so many people and things that are against you, that are, that are fighting to keep you from us. And Father, it is so important that we stay strong in your word, that we stay strong as a body of believers and know that you are in control, Father. You are the one who's already won. You've already won. Death has been defeated. Satan has been defeated. It is now just, it is when you decide to come call us home. But until that time comes, Father, we have the opportunity to save so many others who don't know you, whether it be because they've never been introduced to you or they've been hurt for some reason and and feel that you don't love them, Father. We know that's not true because you do love us. You love us more than, than we can even grasp. So, Father, I just ask that you be with us not only today, but every day this week and, and through the coming weeks and months and years, however long you grant us uh, in this life, Father. Allow us to search for you, search for those who need you, and to be the example um, to them. 
We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for his sacrifice and bringing an atoning death that brings us to you. And it's in his heavenly name we pray all this. Amen. to have you with us today and we're going to talk about making disciples and we're in a series on what we are to do together as a church as members of one another we are called to make disciples you know when Jesus uh, left the disciples and went back to heaven they knew without a doubt that he had left them with an assignment they knew without a doubt that they had a job to do it was an assignment so big, I don't think they had any idea how to carry it out. But they knew that somehow Jesus would be with them all the way. It was clear now that their lives and their future were not their own. And Jesus' command to make disciples ruled the course and the purpose of the rest of their lives. And that mission has now come down to us also to make disciples of all nations. Quite frankly, in all honesty, this passage terrifies me, or at least makes me tremble. This is our risen Lord himself, our Savior, announcing that he has all authority in heaven and on earth then saying to us, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe or obey all that I have commanded you. I mean, this is not some human idea or suggestion. It is Jesus Christ who commands this. And it makes us, or at least it makes me, fall to my knees. I think it should make us fall to our knees and say, I hear you, Lord. Now, show me my part in this. Show me how I am to do this. His command to us is to make disciples. And believe me, that is hard enough in itself even to make one disciple. But then he adds, of all nations. And if we take the Lord seriously at all, I think the command feels a little large. At least it does to me. I feel like Paul when he said, who then is adequate for these things? I mean, it's, it's like, who can do that? It, it's a little overwhelming. And that's the part that makes me tremble. But there are also two great encouragements here. One is the simplicity of the command. And I don't mean how easy it is. I mean how simple or clear it is. Jesus did not issue 20 pages of complex disciple-making procedures on how to make disciples that only a very few gifted people could ever figure out or do. No, he said, make disciples, baptizing them, then teaching them to observe or keep or obey.
what I have shown you and commanded you. I do not want to be flippant at all this morning, but we can all put somebody underwater and we all know in some degree how to teach our kids or to teach somebody's kids or to teach somebody something. And that is in its most simple form what Jesus told us to do, to make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. It is not eloquence. It is not some sophisticated program that forms a disciple. It is teaching, explaining, talking, helping people understand what Jesus said and then to follow that, to obey that, to keep that. Of course, there's more. There is relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ lives in us and we abide in Him and we love Him and all of that matters. But at the heart of being a disciple is a simple willingness to do whatever Jesus says. Jesus said, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. So we are to teach all men to keep all that Jesus commands. The other great encouragement is that Jesus said, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I think the King James says, even to the end of the world. I think Jesus understood that we would be overwhelmed by the greatness of the command, so he said, Behold, or look, I want you to know this, remember this, that I am with you. I'm with you always, and I always will be with you, even to the very end of the present world, or this present age. Jesus had promised already that he would not leave the disciples as orphans. He made a promise to us as his followers that he would not leave us alone. He would not leave us as like orphaned children, but that he would come to us in the Holy Spirit. He promised that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit would be upon us at least in large measure in order to carry out this mission. In Luke 24, 49 and 50, right after Jesus had told that the, said that to the disciples that you, ha, you have a message, I'm giving you a message that will be proclaimed to all nations, he said, Behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father up on you. Stay right here in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. They needed power. They needed the presence of Jesus with them in the person of the Holy Spirit to carry out this mission to make disciples. And surely we need that power to make disciples as much as they did. Missionary C.T. Studd from the turn of the century, early 1900s, missionary to China, India, and primarily to Africa, said, the churches have so bound the Holy Spirit in red tape that they practically ask him to sit in a corner while they do the work themselves. The tragedy of that attitude and that neglect of the Holy Spirit 
is that the is that the Holy Spirit is the way Jesus is with us and works through us today. We love that promise where Jesus said, I will always be with you even to the end of the age. He's talking about the Holy Spirit being with us. He being with us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Jesus, Acts 16, 7. He is called the Spirit of Jesus Christ, Philippians 1, 9. And there's other places that He is the, the Spirit of God's Son, the Spirit of the Son. It is only because Jesus is with us and in the person of the Holy Spirit that we can have even a notion about making disciples. And the more that we are moved and stirred by the command of our Lord Jesus Christ, the authority of Jesus Christ in this in this spoken command to us to make disciples, the more we are moved and stirred by that, the more deeply we desire His Spirit to fill us and empower us, and the more fully we comprehend our need to have His Spirit fill us and empower us. Our ultimate goal as believers is to glorify God. Jesus said in John 15, 8, By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Bearing much fruit is the proof that we are true disciples. And Jesus said, This glorifies my Father. In other words, relating to Jesus as a disciple brings glory to God. When you and I lay down our rebellion, our resistance, and we surrender to Jesus and obey Him, that glorifies His Father. That glorifies God. And every one of us is called to glorify God by being a disciple and then doing everything that we can to bring other people into that fruit-bearing disciple relationship with Jesus. And our devotion to that mission is at the very heart of how you and I bring glory to God. I mean, we glorify God in many things. I mean, Paul said even when we eat and drink, we do everything to the glory of God. But this mission, this utter devotion of obedience to Jesus and bringing others into that relationship with Jesus is at the heart of how you and I glorify God. God. Now Jesus clearly defined what he meant by the word disciple. It's all through the Gospels. Of course, literally the word disciple means learner. But it means a certain kind of learner. It means a learner with a fierce loyalty to Jesus and a radical obedience to Jesus. It, it means an absolute surrender, a total giving up of ourselves over to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. Obedience, this, I would call it perhaps extreme obedience, or, or we would probably consider it extreme obedience, or a radical obedience, is at the very heart of being his disciple. That's clearly what Jesus meant by being 
his disciples. In the book of Revelation, the saints are called those who keep the commandments of God and of their faith in Jesus. They are called those who do not love even their own lives unto death. Paul said the goal of his ministry was to bring the Gentiles, in other words, all the nations, to obedience by word and deed. Romans 15, 18. Of course no one can be saved by obedience or of works of any kind, but, but the fruit of salvation is obedience. God's own spirit is planted in us to work into us a loving obedience that is being a disciple. Obedience to God may sound restrictive, but in reality it is the pathway to freedom, to joy, and the outcome is eternal life. I mean, sin is a cruel master. <laughs> Obedience to sin is the bad life. Obedience to Jesus is the good life. Paul said the wages of sin is death. But we have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, disciples, and the fruit of this is sanctification and eternal life. That's Romans 6, 21, and 22. One day a woman in the crowd called out to Jesus, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. But Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. In other words, even more blessed, even more happy than even Mary, the mother of Jesus, is the person, Jesus said, who obeys me and keeps my word. That's Luke 11, 27 and 28. Jesus said, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete or perfect or full. John 15, 10 and 11. Jesus went on to say, you are my friends if you do what I command you. So the life of obedience or the life of a disciple is a life lived in the love of God and in the joy of Jesus and in friendship with God. Jesus. The life of a disciple is the truly free, joy-filled, love-filled life that you've been craving for. And yet Jesus taught us sometimes in shocking terms that there is a cost to being a disciple. Jesus said, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Anyone who does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. There is a cost. It's a daily cost. It's a, it's a cross-bearing kind of life. Christians in China today are under constant surveillance by the Chinese Communist Party. They use facial recognition cameras to watch everything people do. According to an article I read in Voice of the Martyrs magazine, they have 580 million 
facial recognition surveillance cameras in China today. One for every two people. And according to Voice of the Martyrs, going to church or, or going to the home of another known Christian, even once, can lower their social score, which can keep them from getting a job or a good job or a house or a loan or from getting into certain schools or even limiting the places that they can shop. The president of Voice of the Martyrs, Richard Cole, said, despite this oppressive environment, in general or as a whole, he said, Chinese believers remain faithful to Jesus. And he said, one Chinese pastor disciples, one Chinese pastor disciples the members of his church by telling them, of course, the government is watching you and listening to you, even in your own home. So make sure that what they are seeing is a true disciple of Christ. Cole Richards said, and I pray, he said, I pray for this for myself. I pray that when Christ returns, every record in the world, every document, digital files, and even the memories I leave with my children will clearly attest that I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Instead of focusing Christians on the injustice of the surveillance cameras, he tells them, Make sure everything they see on that camera proves that you love Jesus and obey him. Is there a cost? Of course. Expect that and be prepared to pay that. Jesus also said to be his disciple requires supreme loyalty, not only cost but extreme loyalty to him any anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and anyone who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me kind of interesting thing to think about on mother's day isn't it to be a disciple means that nothing and nobody Mother, son, or daughter is more important to you than Jesus. That's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to make. Elizabeth Elliot said, The question is simply, who is your master? Or as Paul said, we are no longer to live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again on our behalf. So, what is the mission of the church? What is this thing that we sometimes call the Great Commission? Is it to get together on a Sunday morning and sing songs and hear a sermon and have Sunday school for the kids? Is it is the purpose of the church to have a lot of activities for families? Is it to be a place where we find friends? Of course, on some level, it is all of those things. 
But ultimately, everything we do is to contribute to the mission of being and making disciples. We are here primarily to teach people to obey, love, and follow Jesus no matter the cost or the conflict that that creates. We call people to faithfully follow Jesus, to a faithful loyalty to Jesus. We are to reach fallen, broken, sinful people and form them into devout, obedient lovers and followers of Jesus. I did say this was a big task, didn't I? We do this on Sunday mornings in youth group, in men's and women's Bible studies. All the ministries and activities of the church should in some way help accomplish this goal. To direct hearts, to direct souls, to direct lives to one person, to Jesus Christ, to a costly, faithful, loyal obedience to Jesus. Parents, your goal is not just to get your kids to be good kids or good students or good athletes or to get them into good marriages and good jobs, jobs someday. Your highest goal for them is for them to follow Jesus, to love and obey Jesus. And we must not lose sight of this mission in our homes, our families, and certainly not in the church. But with, with all of my problems and all of your problems and all the things that we have to do just to get through each day with health issues, marriage issues, job issues, we can easily lose focus of this big overarching purpose for our lives. And, and we, need to, we need to stop like we're doing this morning and we need to hear our Savior say, there's, a song, there's an old hymn that says, I hear the voice of Jesus say. Okay, that's what we need to do this morning. I hear the voice of Jesus say, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey, to observe all that I have commanded you. We can so easily lose focus and, and when you add in the current obsession with COVID-19, and the politics of the day, we can easily forget all about making disciples. All right, let's move on to the rest of what Jesus said here. Jesus said to make disciples of all nations. So somehow our concern has to be expanded. Our concern has to be for every person of every race in every nation. I love what Elizabeth Elliot said. Jesus Christ died for all and that makes me interested in the salvation of all. Christ did not call us to a bless us for and no more kind of life. 
Christ called us out of ourselves to something much bigger than ourselves. He called us out, out of ourselves to some, something much bigger than our own selves and even our own marriages and even our own families. He called us to this really big task and goal of glorifying God through being a disciple and making disciples. In Revelation 5, verse 9, John sees the 24 elders in heaven and he sees them and hears them sing a new song to Christ. And the song is this, You are worthy to open the scroll because you were slain and with your blood you purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. The heart of God and the plan of God is to save people of every kind in every place on the planet. So our hearts need to expand to people who are different from us or far away from us or maybe right next door to us too. But we need to go outside of ourselves and consider that Christ died for all so I must be interested in the salvation of all. I know how small and inadequate I feel in all of this, but that's why we have the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus promised the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we are to do whatever we can, whatever our part is to be an instrument of God in making disciples. We, we can pray, we can give, we can be available to talk, to encourage, to invite, to love people, to pray, all with the goal to be about our Lord's business. And I think of that statement of Jesus as a little 12-year-old 12, 12 boy or a young 12-year-old boy, I must be about my father's business. Did, did you not know, he said to his parents, I had to be about my father's business? And that's, that's what we're called to, too. We're called to be about our Father's business. We're called to be about our Lord's business of loving and being concerned for and involved in some way in making disciples of all the nations. The method that Jesus gives us in this passage is simply as I said earlier, simply baptizing them and teaching them. He tells us right here in one brief sentence how to make disciples. I, I, I can't imagine that you could give a, a preacher <laughs> the assignment of telling people how to make disciples and he, he could tell them in one sentence like Jesus did. But he said, simply baptizing them and teaching them, teaching them to obey all that I have told you and taught you and commanded you. Uh, we're going to have a separate message on baptism, um, I think, so I won't say a lot here, but I don't think we can claim to take Jesus seriously and then blow off baptism. You read Acts and the apostles did exactly what Jesus told them to do here in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. 
You read through Acts and you'll see every time where men and women believed in Christ, they were then baptized in water after they believed. And we may not understand all the significance of baptism. Uh, We may not understand all the effects that baptism has upon the one who is baptized. And I think it may be more than we, we realize or understand. But part of observing all that Jesus commanded is to get baptized ourselves and then to teach other people to be baptized. I mean, do we take Jesus seriously or not? Jesus said to make disciples then by teaching all people to observe, keep, or obey all that he commanded. And that, I think, includes all that Jesus went on to reveal as his commands through the apostles. And we see this in, the, in the, all the letters of the, of the apostles and the writers of Scripture, in the New Testament Scripture. I think all of that is included. Paul said that his, his goal in life or his, his mission, this thing that captivated him was this. We proclaim him. We proclaim Jesus, admonishing every person and teaching every person with all wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Christ. I mean, I know we all play a different part in that, and we, we, we all have strengths and limitations, we all have gifts, but that's a pretty good life goal for you. I mean, if you want to know what you're here for, we proclaim Jesus. We're here to proclaim Jesus, to admonish every person. to teach every person with all wisdom so that we may present every person complete in Christ. Teaching is to be a big part of what we do in the church. Do we have too many Bible studies? Do we have too much time in God's word? I don't think so. And of course, we're not merely here to fill people with information or even Bible knowledge, although there's definitely an important place for that. We are teaching people with a goal to have them submit their lives and their hearts to this. We aren't here to just make smart people, people that are smart about the Bible. I mean, we want to do that. But we we are teaching for a heart response to Jesus. We are teaching for a heart response to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Teaching people to observe, keep, obey all that Jesus has taught and commanded. This mission to make disciples should grip our hearts. Somehow, and my prayer is that, that somehow we would, that we would hear, we would have ears to hear the call of Jesus upon our lives this morning.
Jim and Elizabeth Elliot were missionaries to the Aka Indians in Ecuador in the 1950s. Many of you know their story and have heard it. Uh, the Aka Indians speared uh, Jim and four missionary friends to death. Uh, Elizabeth, of course, was widowed, but she stayed and worked among the people who killed her husband. And a lot of people had trouble with that. A lot of Christians didn't understand that. A lot of people didn't understand why she wouldn't go home, especially since she had a young little girl named Valerie. But Elizabeth's response was, was this. Death does not change our duty. God's command, go ye and preach the gospel to every creature, was the categorical imperative. The question of personal safety was wholly irrelevant. Again, I know people would have problems with that. But you know what? Paul said exactly or almost exactly the same thing in Acts 20, 24. I do not consider my own life of any value or as precious to myself if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This Spirit of willingness and readiness to do anything for our Lord should burn within our hearts. And my prayer is that our hearts would burn with passion to contribute ourselves and our energy in some way to play a part. And I know we all, we play only a part, but we still can have an earnestness, a passion a burning within us to, to want to play that part and to be zealous in playing our part to help make disciples. So our call this morning is, as a church, is to commit ourselves to, to the work, to, to the sacrifice, to the struggle to make disciples. And it's not an easy assignment. But there is something for every single one of us to do. And it takes a lot. It takes a lot of us, and it takes a lot of different things to make even one disciple. Missionary uh, Norman Grubb said, to get one soul saved, absolutely, genuinely saved, Saved from lust and lying and laziness and self-seeking and loving Jesus with all of his heart is a tremendous achievement. Anyone who knows the Congo knows that. He was, in, he was a missionary, obviously, in the Congo in Africa. And when he looked at the fruit of their ministry in the Congo, he said, there are a few glorious shining lights among them, but... So many are still weak and dark, needing a lifetime of prayer and toil and teaching to present them perfect in Christ Jesus. I don't know of a better phrase to describe what it takes to make a disciple. It takes a lifetime of prayer and toil and teaching to do that. Paul put it this way, my dear children, 
for whom I am in the pains of childbirth until Jesus Christ is formed in you. That's, that's what we're all about here as a church. We are in the pains of childbirth, birthing disciples for Jesus. None of us are Apostle Paul's or Peter's, but we all play a part and we should take up our part with devotion and zeal and eagerness. And there is so much, there is so much that is needed to do this. There is so much love, acts of love, words of love. There's so much encouragement and instruction and timely words and prayer and every other possible kind of labor and spiritual gift that is needed for this task. Even coming in here on a Sunday morning and greeting people, taking the initiative to go love and talk to people and greet people and tell them that you love them or care about them, even that's a part of making disciples. I mean, everything we do, we're just thinking about other people, how I can build them up, how I can do whatever I can do within my power and gifting and strengths to help them become a devout, loyal, obedient, loving follower of Jesus. And if, for everybody that's here this morning, that's what we want for you. We are here not to direct you toward us. Paul said we do not preach ourselves. We preach him. We proclaim Christ Jesus as Lord. We are here to direct your heart, your life to him to become a disciple, to be a disciple of Jesus. So there is something for you to do. Don't focus on when you, what you can't do. There is something for you to do, for us to do. And so let us this morning commit ourselves afresh to this task to go be a part of this mission that Jesus commanded for us to go and make disciples of all nations let's stand please this morning with me